0: The following is a paid program. The views expressed are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of MyTalk 107.1. What is it you want? Real estate. It's the Red Hot Real Estate Show, where we can all find out how's it going for buyers and sellers in the real estate market. I have died
1: and gone to real estate heaven.
0: Looking to move? Hoping to sell? Call in with your questions to real estate expert Mimi Shoneman with Remax Results. I'm going to go out and buy a house. Here she is, your host Mimi Shoneman. Welcome to the
2: Red Hot Real Estate Show on My Talk 1071, streaming online at MyTalk1071.com. I'm your host, filling in for Miss Shannon on this fine Sunday, and we are in the studio with Mimi and Zoe, and we're going to be talking about appraisals. But before, I know there's a lot of housekeeping that Miss
1: Shannon goes through
2: before we get into the big, heavy uh, topics through the morning. Yeah.
1: So anyway, welcome everybody to the Red Hot Real Estate Show. I'm Mimi Shoneman with REMAX Results and the host of this show, the Red Hot Real Estate Show. And today we are joined by one of our good friends, Zoe Liston. She is a certified residential real property appraiser. And that's a lot to say. Welcome, Zoe. Thank you, Mimi. Good to be here. <laughs> so Zoe is kind of known around the metro area as being a expert appraiser for any kind of questions that folks have about appraisals. And so if you're listening to this, this show today, or if you know people that have got questions about appraisals or appraisers, uh, call us with your questions today. That's 651-641-1071. And so Zoe, you and I share a passion for
3: animals. Yes, very much.
1: Yeah. And so Zoe also is a volunteer for an organization, and we want to tell everybody a little bit about this organization and about a
0: fundraiser that's coming up. Thank you so much. Yes, I volunteer. I'm a foster parent for dogs through underdogrescuemn.com. This is a group that's been in business um, uh, for years and years. I just met a woman the other day who's adopted her dog from there 10 years ago. Um, And we rescue dogs mostly from commercial breeders. So uh, animals that are used mostly like livestock to produce babies to sell them. So a lot of them come from very unfortunate situations. A lot of them are very scared. But we've got a great fundraiser that happens every year, our annual fundraiser. It's coming up on October 12th. It's out in Minnetonka at the Tonkadale Nursery. And it goes from 12 to 4. And it's partially inside, partially outside. It's a lot of fun. There are dogs there. You can bring your own dog. You can bring your kids. There's dogs that need to be adopted. We have a huge silent auction um, food trucks and it's just a great day
1: so it's next saturday not this coming not Not yesterday. Not yesterday. (laughs) But but the next Saturday. Yeah, Yeah. the 12th. So um, that sounds like a lot of fun. And uh, who doesn't want to go out and like have food trucks and look at nursery stuff? What do they got there?
0: Like pots on discount and stuff like that, right? Right. It's it's a big, big nursery. (laughs) If you haven't been there before, it's a very large nursery, and it's a good outdoor space. And there'll be puppies to pet and kiss. Yeah. And so Zoe
1: tells me uh, before we come into the show that she's currently fostering five foster dogs so Plus you really have two of my own okay so seven dogs in a story and a half home here in the metro so really everybody should just like give her a huge <laughs> round
0: of applause right now Low sounders everywhere right <laughs> <Woo-hoo>! <laughs> yeah well my guy is at home feeding them right now okay so well, he, he takes a lot of the credit because he's the one home most of the time
1: props to the guy so if uh, we've also got it posted on our facebook show page so if you want to go to Facebook and uh, like us on Facebook, the Red Hot Real Estate Group, we've also got a donate button on there. If uh, you can't make it to the fundraiser and you'd like to give a little bit of money towards this great cause, we would love it if you could support them.
0: Thank you so much. And the silent auction, you don't have to be there for. Oh, awesome. <clears throat> you can do that um Uh, On the Internet. So go check out underdogrescuemn.com and you can get information on how to do the silent auction from there.
1: And so this is a a definitely a nonprofit. And um, the fundraiser is called Biscuits and Blooms. So be sure and look for that and call us with any questions. So, um, as always, we have lots of great links posted on our show page. Um, We've got links where you can shop for property. Uh, You can go to viewgreaterminneapolishomes.com directly, and you can shop for property to your heart's content. So be sure and check out all the links that we have posted on our show page. So, Zoe. Yes. Licensed, fancy title, certified (laughs) residential real property appraiser. That is a lot. And so there's certain levels of of education and training that folks have to go through in order to even become an appraiser, right? That's
0: why you're so rare and scarce. (laughs) Correct. Um, You start out going to uh, school the same way you did to become a realtor. You take classes and learn all the basics. Uh, When you come out of there, you are a trainee, and you have to work as an apprentice. Uh, You can become licensed, and then it takes a minimum of two years working as a trainee under a mentor to become certified. And at that point, you um, need to take additional education and pass a test. Okay. Um, and above me is one more level, uh, certified general, and they take even more lessons and classes, and they do commercial property.
1: Okay, so there's a hierarchy of yes. of education and training, and so you've been in the business for quite a while now. I think about 23 years. 23 years. Don't look a day old, old enough to be doing it that yeah. long. <laughs> but um, you and I have known each other for a while because you do a lot of different services. You teach uh Zoe teaches at our board at the Minneapolis Area Association of Realtors and she teaches all of us realtors how to measure homes um because that is the thing. Um we're not notoriously
0: great measurers here in the metro. <laughs> is that correct? Factual statement. That is a factual statement. <laughs> right for for your real estate license you have to take continuing education courses so I teach a lot of those courses and I have my real estate license also so I know both sides so I know what realtors do and what appraisers do. And one of the things you have to do is put the size of the house in MLS. But your job is to sell and to market and to make the house pretty and negotiate. You don't put your own signs in the yard. You don't do some of those things. So I do the measuring for you.
1: There you go. So that's an additional bonus. (laughs) And um, she does a great job at that. So let's just start by answering, you know, in case somebody's listening and they don't know what an appraiser actually is. What
0: is an appraiser, and what do do appraisers actually do? Well, first of all, I'm not an assessor. When people see me at a house, they uh, usually ask about their taxes. It's got (laughs) nothing to do with that, and I'm not a home inspector. Um, Generally, appraisers exist to protect the bank. When a bank is lending you money, they need to know that the property that they're lending on is worth what they're lending, and they don't go out to see the houses. They're not the expert in houses. They're the experts in money. So, the banks hire us to go out to the property and tell them what the house is worth. So, in general, we represent the banks, the mortgage companies.
1: Okay. But it's the buyer that actually pays the fee that pays for the appraiser. Yes. And so, that is usually uh, part of their either their paid up front costs with their mortgage when they they, uh, apply for their mortgage. And so, when the buyer actually pays for that service, uh, the then the lender actually sends out a report to a a different
0: neutral third holding party. Can you speak to that a little bit? Sure. So when you get a mortgage, uh, when you're the buyer, you have to get an appraisal. The mortgage company requires it. So the mortgage company is the one who hires the appraiser. You are not allowed to pick your own appraiser. Um, And some mortgage companies have a panel of appraisers that they use. In general, we are independent contractors. Sometimes there are staff appraisers, but usually we are independent contractors. But some companies use AMCs, appraisal management companies. These are just middlemen between the loan officer and the appraiser. Historically, there was some influence from the loan officers trying to influence the values from the appraiser, so they put some middlemen in between us. It's not required to have an appraisal management company, but a lot of the companies do.
1: Okay. I really in I can't even tell you how many years it's been since I have even heard of somebody not having an appraisal management company. I mean, are you really seeing that they have
0: those that are people some, are us, not using them? Some of the bigger mortgage companies don't have them. The only requirement is to have someone on staff who who is not paid a commission on whether or not the loan closes. The problem used to be that the loan officer gets a commission on if the loan closes, so the loan officer would try to influence the appraiser and say if it if you don't say the house is worth two hundred and fifty, I'm not paying you. Completely illegal and unethical, but of course it happened. So there's a middleman in between, one way or another. And a lot of times the mortgage company has a staff member that is not paid a commission on whether or not the loan closes, and that person manages the appraisers.
1: Okay, and so that's great to know um, because there will be no undue influence on any Correct. appraiser that goes out to do the report on your property. So um, that's good news. Um, I think maybe when we hit the next segment, we'll talk a little bit about the difference between what a CMA, uh, market analysis versus an appraiser and how that, how that's different. Sure. All right. Well, stay tuned. You're
2: listening to Red Hot Real Estate Show and we would love you to get in on the show. If you have questions, call us at 651-641-1071. We'll be right back. I can deal with the bad news. Back to the Red Hot Real Estate Show on My Talk One O Seven One, streaming online at My Talk1071.com. I'm your host, filling in for Ms. Shannon this morning, and I'm in with Mimi Shoneman and Zoe Liston and we are talking about appraisals.
1: Yeah. So, we're lucky enough to have uh, one of our local celebrity appraisers here in uh, the Twin Cities, Zoe Liston, and um, she is a wealth of information about appraisals. So, if you have a question about appraisals, don't be shy. Now is your opportunity. Um, Give us a call. 651-641-1071. So, Zoe, we talked a little bit before we went into the break about uh, what you do as an appraiser, but... There, I think there's some confusion out in the marketplace about uh, what's called a comparative market analysis a (CMA) versus an appraiser. Because I, I've had people say to me as a licensed realtor that uh, you, why don't you come out and do an appraisal for me? <laughs> I'm like, well, I would love to, but that would require me to do two years worth of
0: work and <laughs> and mentorship. Maybe Zoe would let me to do that yeah. with you. I don't know. Come on and join me. <laughs> um, I partly blame HGTV for that. <laughs> HGTV always says the realtor is going to come in and do an appraisal. No, they're not. (laughs) Uh, um, So the difference between a CMA and appraisal, both of them involve coming up with the value for the home. The difference is that we're working for different people, looking for different, uh, not necessarily different results, but doing it for a different reason. As I mentioned before, as an appraiser, I am looking for the value to protect the bank's investment. So what I am looking for is the most likely value for the home based on a typical buyer to protect the bank in case the buyer that um buys the house if they foreclose the bank has to be able to resell it again to somebody else Mm -hmm. so it has to be a reasonable figure that a reasonable person would pay not that one person who's going to pay an extra twenty thousand dollars because the house is purple and and it's near prince's house Um, when when you as a realtor when you're doing a market analysis of cma your job is to sell the house for the most money possible so you're looking for a different value you're looking to get the most money out of that house i'm looking to get the most reasonable resale if it has to be sold again so, so sometimes they're a little bit different on the value
1: right so let's just say that we're looking at um in a, a neighborhood that's got similar homes um, you're fortunate enough to be uh, comping a, a market let's just say in the nicomas area of minneapolis mm-hmm. where you could find plenty of story and a half properties with a unfinished basement And about 1,200 1,500 square feet. Right. Right. So let's just say that the bank orders uh, an appraisal and they send you out for this property and you're looking for what? What do people need to know that when you come into their house for that type of house, let's just say that you're lucky and your neighborhood's got plenty of houses like yours. Um, you're not the the out-in-the-country, you're not the, the unique one, right. but you've got plenty. What sorts of things are important for the seller to know to prepare for your
0: visit, the appraiser? Well, we look at a lot when we get there. Um, the couple of things that you can't change is that we are looking at the style of the home, the age of the home, and um, the size of the home, so I will measure it. Um, but then we're also looking for the quality and condition. So when I come inside, I'm looking at what materials do you have on the floor? What materials do you have for your counters, your cupboards, um, things like that? And also what condition they're in. Has Have they been remodeled? Are they updated? Um, are they trashed because you foster too many dogs?
1: <laughs> um, Shameless plug. Let's just plug it right now. So who are we, who are we plugging
0: today? Underdog Rescue. MN.com. <laughs> okay, go. Thank you. Um, so we are looking at that. And... We are supposed to be looking at the structure itself. We're not looking at personal property. So I don't care about your couch. I don't care about um, even your refrigerator because it's not built in. On the other hand, we are human. We are swayed by, um, by the looks of the home. If I walk in and it's completely trashed and there's toys everywhere and everything's filthy, I'm not going to have quite the same uh, opinion as I walk in as I would if it were all neat and clean. So definitely clean your house. Organize it. Make it look like you would for a buyer, because we are affected by that, even though we're mostly looking at the structure and the the condition of the walls, not how clean the kitchen is.
1: Exactly. Well, speaking of cleanliness, so um, oftentimes we see in the utility room, Mm -hmm. we see, you know, people don't really keep that clean and tidy and that sort of thing um oftentimes you'll see stuff everywhere maybe they keep that as a storage room stuff's piled high but the the water heater in the furnace let's talk about that when your first impression of seeing somebody's water heater in a furnace how does that affect
0: you as an appraiser of your judgment of that space um i don't care if the laundry room's messy i always say every house has a junk drawer sometimes it's a junk room sometimes it's the junk entire basement (laughs) Um, uh, the rooms that add the most value are the kitchens and bathrooms so they're kind of the ones that have the most impact for how they look Uh, we do take a look at the the furnace and the water heater really just a quick glance to make sure it looks like they're relatively new i will check the dates if i can i do want to know how old they are so if you can provide a list uh, if the seller can provide a list of the age of some of the main things like the furnace the water heater the air conditioner the roof um, and the um Kitchens and bathrooms. On the appraisal, we have to state on there if kitchens and bathrooms have been remodeled or if they've been updated in an age range. Zero to one year, one to five, five to ten, ten to fifteen. Okay. So, if you can just give us a basic guideline of what remodeling you've done, that helps us a lot.
1: So, if you, you know, if you're meticulous and you keep a list of all, all the improvements that you do, along with dates... That's good enough. You don't have to
0: prove with receipts or anything like that, correct? Cor- correct. And keep in mind that I do an appraisal report, and it gets turned over to the underwriter at the bank. I have to convince the underwriter of my opinion of what's going on at that house. So anything I have like that written out that I can state as instead of just saying it's in good condition, if I can say these eight things were remodeled these dates, it helps my story for the underwriter.
1: So, you know, we all know, like when we're shopping for properties, what buyers are responding to. It's cosmetic things, yes. oftentimes. We're always pointing out that pay special attention to the high ticket dollar items like the roof the mechanicals, the outside siding. So as an appraiser, when you walk in, if you were to see some dents in somebody's siding that you can clearly see that it was hail, but it wasn't fixed or repaired, how do you
0: look at things like that? We do take a note of condition of things like that. We are required to take photos of anything that detracts from the value of the property. So I would uh, note if it looked like the um, siding needed to be replaced. Definitely, if there's chipped or peeling paint. If the house is um, older, before 1978, um, but we do take into condition all the uh, in, into consideration all the condition of every surface. Okay, but you're totally right that it's buying a house is mostly emotional, not necessarily very logical. So we are looking at that also. Absolutely, every every week we are work, working with people that we
1: have conversations about. It's pretty. Okay, so let's take its makeup off. And is it still pretty? You know, we don't care. I love it. But I love it. It's gray. It's gray and it has a gray couch. And, And it's got that really great you know pecan stained <laughs> hardwoods now because that's been redone and i love it mm-hmm. um but it's more than you can but get the one that's wet not and the roof
0: is falling yes. apart yeah
1: yes yeah. okay so let's talk about the roof a little bit so what type of factors are important for a homeowner and a buyer to know about the roof because a lot of times we get as realtors will get a disclosure statement that will say they don't know how old the roof is. Maybe when they bought it, they weren't disclosed how old it was. And so what sorts of things are you looking for?
0: And should buyers and sellers be aware of? Well, keep in mind, I'm not a home inspector. So I'm not getting up on the roof. I'm not walking around up there. We take a basic look at it. And um, especially for an FHA mortgage, is there at least a two year lifespan left in it? If it's looks normal if it doesn't look like it's totally damaged from the ground then we don't say a whole lot about it but if it's uh if the shingles are curling and cupped then absolutely we will photograph it we will mention it and for fha it probably has to be replaced
1: okay replaced so that's interesting to know so if you're a seller out there and you know you're like i don't care the market's hot my roof i don't care i'm not going to do it you probably may have to do it you may have to for fha Mm -hmm. okay but for a conventional
0: buyer same rules, different rules? Uh, different rules. We will still mention it, but the bank probably won't require it to be replaced. But it's definitely a negotiating tool. Right. And have you seen any conventional lenders call a roof? I have not, but I don't always hear back from the lenders. I've done my job, and a lot of times I don't know about it. The realtors would, but not me.
1: Okay. So a little bit more about the some of the differences
0: that you notice uh, from a CMA versus an appraisal. Well, a the CMA, there's no designated way to do it, right? You can do use some of the CMA programs that are out there and print it up, where you can just sit down with your client in front of the computer. Um, but the appraisals are um, are done on a specific form. Fannie Mae runs our lives. Fannie, most mortgages are resold on the secondary market, and so Fannie Mae is the secondary market. So they create the forms that we have to fill out, so that they know how to, so they can purchase them. So it's a 1004. It's a standard. Uh, Appraisal form, and it's very specific on how we fill it out, what kind of um, abbreviations we use, what kind of codes we use, so it's much more formal presentation okay so
1: back to the example that we're in minneapolis Mm -hmm. and we're in a neighborhood that's got a lot of homes that are exactly the same and you you have a seller that tells me i'm their agent they say but my house is better (laughs) they're all the best my house is better than the one that sold down the street and then two streets over because i have this that and the other thing as an appraiser what's most important to you when you look in if you have to stack and rank the most important top three things you're looking for
0: oh wow uh well of course location but if we're all in the same neighborhood that helps right there um the condition does make a huge distinction that's why rehabbers make a living because they can take two identical homes and one's not been updated one has and they make a huge profit off of it um so i'm looking kind of for the overall condition is it in good shape has it been updated is it going to work for the buyer um Size, of course, matters, but again, if you're looking at one-and-a-half stories, there's only really three different sizes. <laughs> so that makes it pretty easy. Um, the bedroom and bath count also uh, do count, but again, in one a one-and-a-half story, you're going to have three bedrooms.
1: Okay, let's talk so. about that, bedrooms and bathrooms. So the technical definition of a legal bedroom, and you would have to know this, right, <laughs> yes. is
0: what? Well, there's a lot of different definitions, of course. (laughs) According to our MLS, the Multiple Listing Service, their rule is if the city that the property's in calls it a bedroom, the realtor can call it a bedroom. As an appraiser, I consider it a bedroom if it has a reasonable amount of privacy, like walls. Of course, downtown you have lofts and there's no walls, so that doesn't count. There's always exceptions. Um, And a door on it, it does not have to have a closet. Now, if the house was built in 1900, if it doesn't have a closet, that's perfectly accepted in the marketplace. Everybody expects that. If it was built in 2000, if it doesn't have a closet, I'm going to call it a den. Because the typical buyer wouldn't consider that a bedroom. Okay. But technically, it doesn't have to have a closet. It should have an egress window. Okay. And the definition of an egress window would be what? There's a lot of rules on that, how big it has to be, if it's below ground, how how low it can be before you have to put ladders in, things like that. So you can Google the huge rules on that but essentially the dimensions of it and all the rules are for a firefighter to get in not for a human to get out so if you're thinking well my eight-year-old's going to sleep down in the basement and he's skinny it'll be fine but think about a firefighter they don't make calendars with firefighters on them because they're skinny little men they're big people and they've got an oxygen tank on and their full equipment so, okay. the, so the rules are for that there there's the codes are grandfathered in, so there's a lot of houses that even above grade rooms, the window's not technically big enough and code wise, it's okay because they've been grandfathered in. But definitely in the lower levels, I take a look at egress size,
1: okay. Well, that's a lot of great information. Did you know any of that? I didn't actually, yes. and I'm
2: really. I'm, I've. I had a friend who bought a house, and I know I was there when the appraiser came in. So it's really interesting to get the behind the scenes. Did the appraiser talked have to. Do. to mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Okay, good.
2: Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we we will be right back with Mimi Shoneman from Remax Results and Zoe Liston. We're talking about appraisals. If you'd like to be a part of the show, then please give us a call with your question 651-641-1071. six four one one zero seven one. We'll be right back.
1: Just take my
2: honey. Welcome to the Red Hot Real Estate on My Talk 1071, streaming online at MyTalk1071.com. I'm your host, filling in for Miss Shannon. I'm Sonny. Uh, I am in here with Mimi Shoneman and Zoe Liston, and we are talking about the behind the scenes and all the good work of uh, the
1: appraisals. I'm telling you, (laughs) you guys are missing out on a huge opportunity to to pick this woman's brain. She's brilliant. Um, And she's also an animal lover. Are you kidding me? So, (laughs) we're here to promote a wonderful uh, nonprofit. The Underdog Rescue, MN, and so let's just remind everybody a little bit about
0: what they have going on this next weekend. So we've got our big annual fundraiser coming up this weekend. It's October 12th, so next Saturday. It goes from 12 to 4. It's called Biscuits and Blooms. It is at the Tonkadale Nursery in Minnetonka on Tonkadale Road, uh, 3739 Tonkadale Road. And um, that's a big nursery, so there's some indoor space, some outdoor space. There will be dogs there. There will be puppies there to kiss. There will be dogs there that need to be adopted. Um, There's a huge silent auction. There's food trucks um, It's very f- uh, family friendly. Bring your kids, bring your dogs and come hang out and uh, bid on some auction things and kiss some puppies and donate some money. And, and this helps us give all the medical care that all the dogs come in.
1: Right. Because people don't really, I think, think about, myself included, how, you know, you have pets, you love animals, but you don't really think about all the needs that go for so many dogs. And, and you were telling me before the show started that uh, oftentimes people are bringing dogs up from other areas of the country. Uh, Because their situations are
0: even worse than what we have here. Right. We tend to get most of our dogs from places in the South. Uh, Commercial breeding is much more common down there where they have um, huge areas of dogs just stacked in cages on top of each other. Just their only purpose in life is to have puppies so that the people can sell them. So a lot of them that we get have never been outside of a cage. They've never walked on the ground. They've never seen sunshine. Um, They've never had a nice human touch. Um, And so these dogs need our help. They need people who can be patient with their fears. We have a lot of dogs that are completely scared, but then we also have other dogs that are just craving that human touch and literally sleep on your face. It's lovely.
1: That's (laughs) wonderful. And so some of the money that is raised for for this fundraiser will go to help promote the care that they need and to get them the care that they need, but also to raise awareness. Of course, if you are looking for a puppy that that you've always wanted, this is a wonderful way to
0: get a nice dog and let them learn that humans are kind. Right, and they all live in foster homes. So, and we have um, brand new puppies. Some of the dogs come to us pregnant, but we also have senior citizen dogs. I've had, I had a little beagle. She was seven years old when I got her. Uh, she lived with me for almost a year, but she had spent seven years of her life just locked in a cage. And she is now living a wonderful life. She came into my home. We teach her not to be afraid and give her good food, and she gets to run around and be a dog in the sunshine and sleep out in the sun with other dogs. Um, But all of them that come to us, they all get medical care. Before you get the dog, they've had their shots, they've had their rabies. If they're older than a year, they've had a dental exam. Um, They're spayed, they're neutered. So when you get them, you don't have to go to your vet and then spend all that money. We've got some wonderful vet partners that help us out and take good care of them
1: that's fantastic and so let's just tell everybody one more time the website where people can
0: go to get more information and also to donate if you would like thank you it's underdogrescuemn.com and there is a donate button on there and there's also a volunteer section on there if you want to volunteer to be a foster home we always need more take dogs into your house and um, and show them what love is Um, and there's volunteers even if you can't do that you can help drive dogs around. We have adoption events going on every weekend uh, where we take the dogs out to pet stores or other locations. And sometimes we just need help help handling the dogs there and talking to people. Um, we have people that need to check references when we adopt them out. So maybe you can just do phone calls. So there's lots of different ways to volunteer. That's fantastic.
1: So... I think we've got a caller. we do have a caller. uh Kim is on the line, and
2: for those of you who want to get in on the show, please get in on the show with your question six five one six four one one oh seven
3: one good morning, Kim. What is your question? morning, I'm out walking my rescue dog right now Yay. I think. Yay. Um, yeah, Kim <laughs> um, so my uh husband and I separated about a year and a half ago, and instead of so I moved out and bought a condo, and he refinanced our um co-owned larger home so we're thinking well we are in the process of starting a divorce so i'm just kind of wondering he's going to stay in the house i'm going to stay in the condo and i know that he's going to want the assessor to undervalue the house right (laughs) Um, (laughs) of course yeah so i'm just kind of wondering um technically we both co-own both properties okay so technically it's in our best interest to you know have an accurate appraisal on both properties and then we split both down the middle but because he's in a house that's probably worth $150,000 more um, just kind of wondering how that all goes about when instead of selling the house the person is staying in the house and then you know cashing out or whatever somebody else. Okay should. so just so make sure
1: we understand your question so you guys are not going through a bank to refinance the house you're just trying to get a valuation for yourselves Right, because
3: probably what's going to—he's in the house that's more valuable, so he will probably end up having to give me some money, you know, based on my co-ownership and the fact that I'm no longer in that house. Right. Okay. But we do, but this- it's not—it's not being sold on the open market, so it's—you know—if it was sold in the open market, it'd probably be worth three hundred ninety thousand dollars. But because it's going to get an appraisal you know what I mean? Right,
0: Right, yeah. and this does come up for divorces. Um, as I mentioned at the beginning, we mostly work for banks, but uh, a, but there's a lot of need for uh, divorces, other reasons to know the value of your home. Right. Um, first of all, if he just refinanced, he already has an appraisal, so I don't mean to take any business away from the next possible appraiser coming over to your house, but he has a, a, an appraisal already. But if, if that
3: was a year and a half ago. Oh, okay, okay, sorry.
0: Yeah, um, no, no, it's okay. Uh, but sometimes for divorce cases, the husband hires an appraiser and the wife hires an appraiser and you look at both of them. Um, There's also, Mm -hmm. appraisers should not be influenced by um, what buyers and sellers do. I know I did a house for an appraisal once and man, the husband pointed out to me all the things wrong with the house.
3: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I have a feeling... He might
0: not even clean it um, <laughs> probably, um, you can certainly request that you're there at the same time and so that you can be there to uh, to talk about the other side to make sure that we know everything about the house. I know That's it can that. be difficult. I've certainly been called in to do divorce cases where the spouse doesn't even know they're getting divorced yet, and so that Ooh. gets a little bit difficult, yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> but when you get the report, you can read through it. The report does have some stuff in code, uh, that's a slightly different form when it goes out for a, uh, a person instead of the bank, and there should be good enough description in there for you to read through it and see if it makes logical sense, if it looks like the appraiser uh, got the real impression of your house. And we also so take photos. Um, well, when you're talking about doing it for uh, personal reasons like that, I wouldn't say it's contestable. You can talk to the appraiser and ask questions, um, but you might just be better off getting a second opinion.
1: Does that make sense? Yep, that makes sense. You know, Kim, if you would like to leave your information with our producer, we can have you and Zoe contact each other, and in case you need her services, she would be available for something like that. Thank you. Sure, that would be great. Awesome, Kim. Thank Thank you, Thanks for the call.
3: Thanks. All right.
1: Yeah, so there's a great question, isn't it? So divorce absolutely. happens all the time, right? Death, and, divorce, and taxes mean a
0: lot of money for appraisers. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know, you got to get business somewhere, right? Uh, uh, but let, let me tell you one quick thing. Also, um, uh, sometimes for the divorce, they want the current value, and sometimes they want the value of the day that you bought the house. So a ret- retrospective of, uh, um, appraisal. I've actually been doing appraisals here and there, prenup appraisals. Second marriages, the wife owns a house. They're going to both move in there. She wants to know the value of the house before they ever get married, and she just throws that in a safety deposit box. Okay. That's
1: that's kind of jetson <laughs> <laughs> So Kind of a negative outlook on the wedding. <laughs> let, let's dive into that a little bit more. So as part of the prenup, perhaps the, the family law attorney would have suggested that this would be a, a good course of action to hire an independent appraiser to get mm-hmm. the valuation today and
0: in the past well well before the marriage so a lot of people own their own home and they're going to go on the second or third marriage or just never been married before and if if i own a house and i'm going to get married and suddenly you know that legally once you're married the uh, both spouses have legal interest in the home so some people come to me and said i'm in my house i've been paying the mortgage for 10 years he's going to move in now if anything happens i've paid for 10 years he doesn't deserve all that value So tell me what my house is worth now. So if anything does happen, I can say, hey, the day before the wedding, this is what the house is worth. And that's where we start, kind of the baseline. Hmm. Till death do you
1: part. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. Well, I think that was a a fabulous um, caller. Thank you, Kim, for calling because it does spark a lot of questions that I think a lot of folks might have. Um, Divorce for sure. Um, What sorts of other things are you seeing that might call for an independent appraisal report in instead of the bank
0: well um i mentioned death divorce and taxes um when you have a family member a lot of times i get a call from a financial advisor that says um, my client's mother just died in the family home and that home is now being um given to the four kids we need to know the value of the house for those four kids to split it or just to settle the estate When they're doing the taxes for the deceased, they need to settle the estate and know what the house is worth at the date of death. So come April, when they're working on the taxes, they may call me and say, the the person died on July 16th. Can you tell me what the house was valued at as of July 16th? And so to go back and let's talk about how much time an appraisal
1: actually takes for you to do. Are there differences in the types of appraisals? Do some take longer and some take a shorter amount of time? Definitely. There's a
0: huge variance. If I'm doing a house in Como where everything's a a one-and-a-half story and they're all the same, it can be very quick. I'm at the house for a very short amount of time, which annoys people sometimes. Um, I'm usually at the house somewhere around 30 to 45 minutes for a house like that um, because I've seen that floor plan a hundred times and I have a good checklist and I know what I'm looking for. Um, And then the paperwork on that can take up to eight hours because we do a lot of research and going back and forth and looking at tax records and looking at all the photos of the other listings And we drive past all the other houses that we're using as comps and make sure we take a look at those. On the other hand, if you are doing a complicated property, I've had houses that it takes me three hours just to measure because they're just massive. Um, And then a unique property takes a lot more research, a lot more time looking uh, for comps.
1: Okay, so when we come back from the break, I think that let's spend a little bit of time talking about unique properties like equestrian or land or estates that have a massive amount of property Um, what that you look for in those types of properties and how how that helps the consumer all right we'll be right back on the red
2: hot real estate show if you'd like to get in on the show please call us at 651-641-1071 we'll be right back Welcome back to the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on My Talk 1071. We are streaming online at MyTalk1071.com. I'm your host, filling in for Miss Shannon, and I'm sitting with Mimi Shoneman and Zoe Liston, and we are getting into the details um, and the importance of appraisals and, and appraisers and what they do. So uh, if you have a question for the show, please call us at 651-641-1071.
1: So I do want to let everybody know that Phil Olson, our, one of our mortgage experts, is not in studio today. Um, he was supposed to be, but uh, he wanted me to let everybody know he's still a Available for you to call him or email him for any type of mortgage information or question that you might have and you can reach phil at phil at call phil olson.com and he is available just about 24 hours a day i don't know how the guy does it doesn't <laughs> sleep so anyway um zoe liston licensed certified appraiser in studio with us and a passionate dog rescuer one more time the the fundraiser info can be found where at underdogrescuemn.com and it's next saturday it's next saturday and they're taking donations anything help is helpful Um, and as she mentioned before you don't have to adopt a dog if you are not in the position where that's going to work with your life but you can do other things um, you know providing food Or maybe even some admin time, call time you can do from your house, you know, helping to coordinate things. So there's lots of opportunities. Absolutely.
0: We check references. We need people to make those phone calls. We need people to help with media, help with the website. Uh, Sometimes just go down to, we've got a couple of boarding facilities that help us. If we don't have enough foster families, go down and walk a dog.
1: That would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Walk in a dog and get some exercise all at the same time. Yep. And it's mm-hmm. going to be sunny today. Sunny for the next four <laughs> days. I got butterflies to release. What are you talking about? All right. So we're talking about appraisals and we've had some really good conversation, I think. And I think one of the things that uh, people need to understand is that each different type of property is unique and would require a unique appraisal. So, for instance, a standard home in Minneapolis might not be the same as a condo, correct. Or a town home mm-hmm. or a big estate out in
0: Corcoran. right so. <laughs> right. Everything uh, takes different stuff that we look at in in a cookie cutter neighborhood where everything's alike, life is a lot easier for the appraiser. Once you get something um, very unusual with unusual features, it's a lot more complicated. It takes a lot more time to find comparable properties. There just aren't as many comparable properties. When we get into something that has a lot of unusual features, we're not looking at three properties of the same floor plan, the same size, the same year built. We're looking at, okay, this house has a pool and a barn and 15 acres. I need to find at least one other house that has a pool. It might not be on 15 acres. Then I need to find another house that has 15 acres, but it might not have the pool. So we try to match um, at least every unique feature about that house that adds value. And if we can't match, we try to bracket it. So if I have 15 acres and I can't find another house with 15 acres, I'll find one with 20 acres and one with 10 so we bracket things. We do the same with size. Also, if I've got a fifteen hundred square foot house and I can't find another one at fifteen hundred, I'll use a smaller one and a bigger one to bracket it.
1: Okay. So, for instance, in the larger homes that you're bracketing, the, the the ones with acreage, I find that fascinating. So, how much of a variance would you go if the if the subject property had fifteen acres? Let's use Corcoran because that's what we already said. How would it be five plus? Five minus, and then you just um, calculate for the differences? The answer to every appraisal
0: question is, it depends. It depends. Uh, (laughs) um, We try to get as close as we can, but we... I also want to do it in uh, recent time, right? Because the market fluctuates so much and prices have been going up so much. I don't want to go back further than a year unless I have to. So if I've got a property that's, uh, you know, five acres different this year versus one that's three acres different two years ago, I'm going to take the one this year because the prices have been changing so much. Um, we do our best. And land is kind of interesting because sometimes bigger doesn't necessarily mean more valuable. Um, sometimes half the land is not usable, it's essentially just a view at that point you know if you've got a big cliff and you own part of that cliff you're not using the land it just gave you a better view so each acre is not valued at the same amount so all that varies too we take a look at the landscape and what you've got
1: okay so how i'm going to throw you some some interesting ones so if you've got a property and part of their land is in a pond or Mm -hmm. water structure
0: how do you approach that Right. We can take a look at the satellite photos and see where your land goes. And sometimes, yeah, you actually own part of that pond at that point. So that means maybe half your lot is not usable land. So I will sometimes take the usable part and compare that to other people's usable part where maybe you own three acres, but one of eight, one acres underwater. Then I'll consider your lot sort of two acres with a pond view. So I can easily compare you to a house with two acres with a pond view. Because that's how your lot is used.
1: Got it. Okay, so this is a Miss Shannon question because she'll be very happy that I asked you this question. (laughs) She has a real affinity for dome houses. Oh, please. Okay, so... (laughs) She'll be very happy that I ask you this, and everybody that's listening that listens to Ms. Shannon knows she loves a dome house. So let's just say I've decided that that, or Ms. Shannon has decided that is the house for her, and she is going to hunt down a <laughs> dome house, and you are the appraiser, Ms. Zoe. What do you
0: do? Um, honestly, I tell pray? the bank uh, I'm going to turn this order down because I'm not uh, oh. qualified to do it because I've never appraised a dome okay, home. Okay, well, let's just let's just <laughs> hypothetically say that you... You decided to take this order, and you're going to do your best. There are other dome homes out there, yes. so I will spend a long time researching MLS to find other dome homes, um, but I probably won't have any that meet the qualifications of selling within the last six months within a mile. So they will be further away, they will be further back in time, but then I'll have something um, nearby that recently sold that's got similar square footage and bedroom and bath count also to compare it to.
2: Got it. Well, we, uh, we always love when people call in. Uh, if you have a question, six five one six four one one zero seven one. We have Christine on the line. Good morning, Christine. Welcome to the Red Hot Real Estate Show. What is your question?
3: Well, um, I've got a very old farmhouse um, on an old dairy farm with an old dairy barn and three acres, of uh, woods and a little field. Um, My house is not in great condition.
0: I'm wondering, is there such a thing as if you appraise a house and there's so much wrong with it that it can't be sold? Or can it be sold sort of as an
3: as-is? Or can I sell the property, house included?
1: (laughs) There's always going to be a buyer, Christine, for your oh. your property, for sure.
0: Um, it's just going to be the right buyer, Zoe. Exactly. Somebody can always buy it and fix it up. There may not be a mortgage company that wants to lend on this, so it might have to be private, um, uh, private money if it's in such bad shape that the mortgage company doesn't feel comfortable doing it. Uh, but we uh-huh. can definitely give you uh, the value of what it is right now. Um, That is a complicated property with an older house that needs work and a dairy farm, but um, it can be done and I'm sure Mimi can find the right buyer for it.
1: Yeah, and if you want to leave your information with our producer, we can reach out to you and we can talk a little bit further about how Zoe might go about approaching to appraise your house. Okay. Sound good? Thanks, Christine.
0: Okay, thank you.
1: Yeah, so that's fabulous because, like, my next question, and I've had somebody ask me this before, is a (laughs) she-shed. She-sheds that are not attached to the house, do they add value or do they not? And how would you handle that as an
0: appraiser? We have things like that and um, carriage houses and stuff like that. They are not considered part of the finished square footage of the house, first of all, so we don't just add them there. Um, The she-shed, it depends if it's even part of the real estate If it doesn't have a foundation, it's similar to a privately owned shed, and you could take that with you. But if it's built on a foundation and therefore part of the property, then we would consider the value. So then we would try to find comps that have she sheds, and they are difficult to find because there's not a section for it in MLS, so it's hard to search by. So realtors need to fill out the MLS sheets well enough so we can find them. But yeah, we'll try to take a look at what value it would add.
1: Okay, well what about... Um, I hear a lot of people ask questions about finishing off space. Mm -hmm. So finishing a story and a half off so that you get another room upstairs versus finishing a basement.
0: How do you look at those spaces as an appraiser? I got a question from a realtor yesterday while she was at a seller's house asking what they should finish off. Um, The appraiser takes a look at the above ground finished square footage separately from the below ground. So if you're looking at your appraisal and I say it has three bedrooms and one bathroom and you're saying, I've got four bedrooms, two bathrooms, the basement square footage is on a different line. We consider the basement a different area because the basement has different value. In general, the basement has less value than above ground. So if you're deciding whether to finish above ground or below ground, finish the above ground. Um, most people don't get enough money back from finishing below ground to make it worth doing it just to sell the house okay especially if you're hiring it out because below ground just doesn't necessarily add that much value Um, it does help the house sell faster but it doesn't add more value than it costs to do it usually cost and value are two very separate things
1: okay so how do you look at an An unfinished basement versus a finished basement. What are the rules?
0: Do they have to have a ceiling? Is there certain like flooring that needs to happen? MLS rules are that to be considered finished, it has to have a finished floor, finished ceiling, finished walls. All three surfaces have to be covered. Okay. But the covering can vary. A painted floor does not count. Epoxy floor does fascinating (laughs) and we are getting now some of the older homes you're supposed to have seven foot high ceilings in the basement it can dip down to uh, six foot four under ductwork and things but some of the older homes people put in the uh, drop ceiling Mm -hmm. that's kind of unattractive and it makes the ceiling lower we are seeing more people treat them like industrial spaces or restaurants where you see it all cleaned up and spray painted black and i've talked to the mls rules and regulations department and they say if that is considered marketable in your marketplace, if it's becoming accepted, you can consider that finished. Okay, so it doesn't have to be black, but painted. Right, right. Yeah, usually it just is black, so it kind of disappears. But yeah, if you paint the whole ceiling and treat it like that, instead of a drop ceiling, MLS will let you go with it. I would double check before you list it that way, but that's what they've told me.
1: Okay, so what about for folks that put a tight fabric and staple that onto the rafters? Now, I've seen this in St. Paul. And I thought to myself, well, it's it looks finished because it was nicely done, um, and it was kind of the six foot, six foot floor, four ceiling, not quite seven, but it was tight. So, would you, as an appraiser, go into a space like that where it's it looks good, it
0: looks finished, it doesn't look, you know, like they hung sheets from the ceiling? Thoughts? I have not actually seen that. Um, I probably would not consider it finished. However, as an appraiser, I'm allowed to go in and say the basement area does not have a finished ceiling, so it's not 100% finished. However, it does have floors and walls, and the buyer would see some value in it. I would probably just give it a little bit less value than the one that is more finished, but I don't know how MLS would treat the fabric.
1: Got it. Okay. Well, all of these are really, really good information. I think that the the above so let's let's go back to that story and a half that's really popular so mm-hmm. we all know if you know what a story and a half is um you go in you've usually got a main floor um, couple bedrooms kitchen living room and then there's a stairway that goes up up and that space oftentimes has an angled roof Correct. so at what point in the angled roof is that considered uh, finished square feet how do you measure and account for that as an
0: appraiser the center of it should be seven feet high. So it should be, the ceiling again should be seven feet high. But when it slopes down to the edges, we don't count it finished square footage all the way out to the dormered areas. It's where the ceiling meets five feet. So the ceiling has to be at least five feet high to be considered finished. So a lot of times a one and a half story is exactly one and a half stories. If on the main floor it's 24 feet front to back, sometimes upstairs, the five foot mark to the five foot mark is 12 feet is exactly half of it. So you get to count the square footage from where the ceiling height is five feet or higher.
1: Okay. Well, all of this is really great information, and we encourage all of our listeners that if you've got questions about real estate, if you'd like to get in touch with Zoe, uh, you can reach out to us during the week at Mimi at MNRedHotRealEstate.com. You can reach us at 651-578-2218. And don't forget about our, our puppies at UnderdogRescueMN.com and Olson.com too. Thanks, ladies.